Greetings, everyone, and welcome to Most People Don't But You Do podcast. This is Bart Berkey, your host, as well as the CEO and founder of Most People Don't. We're a motivational storytelling company that encourages people to do what most people don't. And really, the purpose of this podcast is to have conversations with people that I personally know or have been acquainted with that really go above and beyond individuals that make the extra effort that do what most people simply don't do and they're really making a difference in the world today i have the pleasure to be able to talk to david Riederman. david is i'm going to say a lifelong friend we go back well over 20 years uh, we've grown up to kind, kind of together in the hospitality industry and pleased to be able to know him know him about his character and we're going to get into what makes david very uniquely special and so well respected by thousands of individuals, not just customers, but individual relationships as well. So first of all, David, welcome to the podcast. Hey, Bart. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so honored. Do I sound a little too uh, too formal for us knowing each other? I don't think you sound too formal. You sound just right to me. All right. Well, perfect. Well, David, one of the reasons why I wanted to get you on the podcast um, you are very familiar with the whole most people don't philosophy. And when I was thinking of guests that I wanted to be able to first invite to the podcast, you really came to mind. Um, before we begin the reasons as to why I think you're very unique and that you do what most people don't do, can you share with us a little bit about your background? I know we initially met through the hospitality industry, but just for our listeners, can you talk a little bit about how you grew up in the hospitality industry and what you started doing? Absolutely. Thank you, Bart. Well, I, my career started about 30 years ago as a part-time meeting planner, and this certainly was prior to meeting planning ever being considered a bona fide profession, prior to any universities or colleges having courses in meeting planning, it was certainly just something that I fell into uh, more or less. So meeting planners back then, there were very few jobs that were published and those that were appeared in very small captions in uh, newspapers, whether they be local, regional or national. So my career started with an organization called the American Booksellers Association, and it was a not-for-profit that members were uh, independent bookstore owners uh, located from one end of the United States to the other. And I was responsible for putting together their bookseller schools. And I traveled from location to location for anyone who either wanted to open a bookstore or anyone who worked for a bookstore and wanted to enhance their professional skills. I worked for a number of not-for-profit associations throughout the course of my career for about the 12 years that ensued. And then I transferred over to the supplier side of the business, first with Hilton Hotels in 1999, and then my career progressed from there. I uh, spent the last 15 years of my career with Hyatt Hotels Corporation, overseeing the insurance and financial market. Uh, and my last position was as a global sales director. And uh, thanks, David. I mean, what an incredible background. And actually, for a second, I forgot that you started off as a meeting planner, but easy transition because you knew what the planners expected, an easy transition to get into the hospitality world. 
And uh, a, a quick little story about David. Um, David and I actually used to work together at the Long Beach Convention and Visitors Bureau. He ran the New York office. I ran the Washington, D.C. office. And, you know, 20 plus years later, here we are, you know, talking to each other and, um, you know, trying to transition and pivot and uh, explore all that we can explore post-COVID, I guess you, you would say. Um, David, what I thought was really interesting about you, especially when I first met you, is that you had, you, you continue to have amazing relationships with customers and they follow you, whether it was with Hilton or whether it was with the Convention and Visitors Bureau, or whether it was with Hyatt, or whether it was now speak, uh, creating your own boutique speakers bureau. Um, why do you think, and again, we're not, we're not holding back, and you don't need to be modest, but why do you think you have such a loyal following of customers? Well, first of all, I think that you know people expect you to bring your, your authentic self wherever you go. And so I make no apologies. Uh, I'm a native New Yorker. I embrace my accent. I embrace my upbringing. Uh, I embrace who I am. And people want to do business with people that they know, that they like, and they trust. And they want you to be exactly who you are consistently, whether you're inside or outside of an office situation. And that's what I do. Yeah, and when did you learn that? Or was that always your approach? Like, did you ever have to feel even starting off that maybe you needed to be something that you weren't? Well, I, I think that everybody does. And I think that that comes out of a place of fear and insecurity. So in the beginning, when you're starting your career, you, you know, you, you want to be able to fit in as you did. You think back to, you know, your grade school days and wanting to be uh, liked by the popular kids. And after a while, as we grow and mature, we realize that our values change. And I think that, you know, in the adult world, and a good friend of mine said this to me a long time ago, you never leave the playground. So you might as well just show up as who you are and see where it goes from there. Yeah, no, and it's so funny as you as you were talking about that. And I guess there's a professional maturity that happens, right? We we were always trying to be our, our authentic self 20 years ago or 10 years ago or 30 years ago. But then I think you become more comfortable in your own skin. And just as you said that, David, it reminded me of a little story when I was a salesperson at the Hyatt Pittsburgh. Um, I just finished my internship trainee program. And there I was with one of a very important customer for the hotel, the director of sales and marketing he asked me to take this gentleman for breakfast. And so I sat down and um, a very distinguished gentleman, probably 70 years old at the time, ran a local association and he ordered a Bloody Mary with his breakfast. You know, it was 1130 and that's what he wanted, a Bloody Mary. So I thought, David, that I needed to be a chameleon. Well, if he's drinking alcohol, I need to drink alcohol too. So with my breakfast, I ordered a beer. You don't order a beer at 11.30 when you're having right breakfast with a customer. And I, I, I like to share that with other people that I didn't need to order a Bloody Mary. I didn't need to order a beer. I could just have coffee. I could do just be myself. Um, but kind of a very interesting lesson, right? That, that you always need to be authentic. And Dave, that brings me to the, the next question with you. I know 
during that pandemic, you were doing some really interesting things with your customers to kind of stay connected. So can you tell me about the climbing out on the fire escape drill that you would do um, every evening? I sure can. Well, uh, of course, being based here in New York, uh, when the pandemic first hit, we had 25% or thereabouts of the total number of cases of COVID. And so it was very real for me uh, where I live here in Queens, New York, literally Queens Boulevard transported most of the refrigerated trucks and ambulances that were servicing the very infamous Elmhurst Hospital. So every night at seven o'clock, New Yorkers would take to their windows and their doors and they would bang pots and pans and ring bells and blow whistles to acknowledge the essential workers that were keeping this business, this, this city alive and, and moving. So I wanted to be part of that. And every night I invited, whether it was a customer, a colleague, even competitors uh, to join me at seven o'clock and watch me climb out my window onto my fire escape to make some noise, uh, acknowledging and celebrating these extremely heroic individuals that were keeping the city going. And so I did that for two months solid every night. Yeah, I, and I think that's just, that's such a really cool story because first of all, people would not necessarily think about doing it. You wouldn't think about doing it with other people. And this was a time um, after you had left Hyatt, right? When the pandemic started and sadly your position was eliminated. And I, I just also wanna tell the listeners that you know, you went from being the global sales director of the year within Hyatt Hotels in what was that, 2019, and then sadly, when the pandemic you know hit, then you were suddenly out of a role, out of a position. Am I right with the timing? Well, I had a great career at Hyatt, and the fact that my position was eliminated, I never took it personally. It wasn't due to performance-related issues. It was simply due to COVID. Uh, having the insurance and financial market with most of their programs being incentive-related, uh, incentives weren't going to be uh, happening anytime soon. So I certainly understood and supported my former employer's position in that. But yes, it was around that time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And so one, I just wanted to congratulate you again for some incredible accomplishments. And then two, you know, to have the thought process of I still want to include these individuals. And as you referenced, whether they were customers or even friends in the industry or even competitors, I just think that really shows about the substance of, of who you are. And David, just curious, how did you go about the selection process of I'm going to call, you know, Diane is going to be on one call and then I'm going to call Jim for another and Roberta on another. How did you go through the process of, you know, who you were going to call and not just for that celebration of, of essential workers, but just in general, how do you determine, well, I'll, I'll stop with that first question. How did you determine who were you going to call to be able to experience that with you? Well, because these things were happening in my home, I wanted to make sure that first of all, it were people that I thought would enjoy being part of, of that activity. Mm -hmm. So I do think that my decisions were subjective in that I wanted people 
to be part of what David was doing, not part of what David from Hyatt was doing. Mm -hmm. So that was really my first pass. And I also invited whoever it was that I asked to bring members of their household into the, uh, the, the activity because I felt that it was something that we were making part of history here. And because it was on national news that New York was being so adversely affected, people really wanted to see with their own eyes what was going on. And I certainly had that uh, advantage of being located in the zone uh, and wanted to share that with people that really cared about it and cared about me. Yeah, and it's very thoughtful. You know, you doing that, you weren't selling them anything. You weren't David, as you referenced, you weren't David with Hyatt, you were David Riederman. And you didn't need anything in return for from, you know, from this gesture. And from the these efforts, you didn't ask for anything. And I think that shows the unselfish nature of you. You thought about the customers that would enjoy it, the competitors that would enjoy it, not because they had a tentative contract with you, but just because it was a nice thing to do and it was to celebrate others. And David, I think that that is very, very unique and very, very special, which then kind of brings me to the whole point of, you know, the name of this podcast, the name of my book, the name of the company is most people don't and why you should. And this aspect is most people don't, but you do. Can you share with us, and I think you do it naturally, why does most people don't resonate with you? Like, why do you do what most people don't do? Well, I think that it's important to be a friend first before you can really engage people in business conversation. You need to position discussions such that you're meeting people where they're at. And most people don't do that. They have their own needs in the forefront of their mind throughout an entire conversation. And they're not really thinking about anything other than the outcome of getting what they need without looking at it in terms of what is the other person gonna walk away from or with? And is it going to be a positive experience? And not only just on a transactional level, but looking past the goalpost. You want to be that friend first. It is absolutely critical in any relationship to make sure that you're positioning something so that people will want to have what you offer. And how did you, how do you think you became that way? You know, I just think that, uh, you know, people naturally gravitate towards things that they can identify with rather than things that they can compare with. Yeah. And, and I'm just wondering, is, was it something in your upbringing, right? Was it how you grew up? Was it with your siblings? Was it because of your parents that caused you to be the type of person that was going to provide friendship first? Anything well, come to mind? You know, I, I mean, I look at how my parents showed up in the world and my father was always a very hard worker and certainly had his fair share of uh, successes and uh, setbacks. And my mother was always a homemaker, but she was always present. Mm -hmm. And I always felt that I had two people that had my back. And I tend to be the type of person that wants to make sure people are taken care of. So 
I have that service mindset innately. And I think that that's a huge ingredient in being successful no matter where you go. You can't teach people to have the right attitude. That has to be already inbred. And you can tell when you're dealing with people if they want something from you or they want to support you or they want to collaborate with you. Yeah, no, that's a really good point. And something that just actually occurred over the weekend, um, David and I did, I texted you and I thanked you earlier today, but I got the most thoughtful, and it's somewhere in my office here, I got the most thoughtful birthday card from you. And what I thought was really special about that, David, is that you knew when my birthday was, you sent it in advance, you had, uh, you hand wrote it on the outside, happy birthday with multicolored pencils, the handwriting inside, it was yours. It wasn't a pre-printed, you know, celebrating style. It wasn't, you know, enjoy another year. It was really heartfelt. And I knew it came from a, a place of, um, of love and respect. And I got to tell you, I will hold on to that card forever because it meant so much to me. You continue to do these types of things, whether it's for friends like me in the industry, partners, whether it's for customers that you've talked to, you know, 10 years ago, how do you keep track of so many people and remaining connected with those folks? And, and just one, one other thing, you know, when we were talking before, you had said, okay, well, I'm going to meet this person for coffee on Saturday. And um, I'm going to take this other person that's in from out of town to the top of the Empire State Building. And whenever I go to visit this person in Baltimore, I'm going to be able to uh, meet with three other people that I know from from the hospitality world. How are you able to keep track of so many people and maintain such solid relationships with so many people? Well, first to answer your question about the birthday card, I'm so glad that you liked it. And uh, my artistic abilities are really, really appalling. So I think I'm going to stick with my day job. Yeah. But uh, and then part of that, of course, was I didn't want to run to the drugstore because I didn't want to have to spend five dollars on a <laughs> card that wasn't going to look all that great anyway. So just to get that out of the way. <laughs> uh, but to answer your question about, uh, you know, just staying in touch with people, I think, well, number one, social media has made this very easy for people to stay connected, you know, whether it be uh, something more of a social nature like Facebook or of a professional nature like LinkedIn or any number of these things that are coming out on the marketplace. But I genuinely like people and I genuinely like to stay in touch with people. And I think everyone has a very unique story to tell. And part of what you do so well, Bart, is that you tell other people's stories through your own stories and looking at things through other people's lenses. My life is very rich because I stay in touch with a lot of people who come from diverse backgrounds, some similar to mine, but some very different than mine. And I always feel like I wanna be the dumbest person in the room. Every day I wanna learn something different. And for that reason, there are many, many people who do things, have different interests than me that I can learn from. Well, and I noticed that you also, I've known this about you for years, about your ability to give to others and then also to volunteer whether it's for an industry association or to kind of give back to others. Can you talk a little bit about some of the volunteering that you are doing within the industry? And I'm assuming it's because you continue to learn from 
other smart people in the room, but why, why are you doing it and what are you doing specifically from a volunteer perspective in our industry? Well, sure. So when it comes to professional volunteering, I think that, you know, my professional circle I view as boundless. So there were two organizations, one called the Corporate Traveler Exchange and the other called the Travel and Meeting Society, both of which were formed in COVID to bring our industry back to life. And this is a business that has given me so much that I always feel that it is my responsibility to give back in equal or greater parts. So for me, I like meeting new people and I feed off the energy of other people. And if I feel it's something that's not working out, I learned long ago that you just fail fast and you move on. But these have been very rewarding experiences that I've been involved with. I also speak at universities to students on a voluntary basis because I think that if they're so eager to get into this business, they should know what some of the challenges are, which are obvious, and then the opportunities that they may not be thinking about right away. So yeah, that's such a gracious thing to do, David, because I know you have great ideas. You know, I continue to learn from you. And now these college students are able to learn from you as well. It's just it's, uh, it's a, a wonderful giving aspect. There's one quote that I share that I will always credit you with, or I will always try to credit you with, is that this situation or a negative situation or even the pandemic is not happening to you, it's happening for you. And you have done an awful lot since the pandemic hit with regard to starting a new business concept. And I'm fortunate to be one part of that, one part of the project. Can you tell us a little bit about um, the impetus for creating your own business, your own boutique speakers bureau? Sure, sure. I'm happy to. And thank you. So, of course, you were a big part of that, reaching out to me shortly after the pandemic hit. And you realized that I was in the job market and approached me with uh, representing you, uh, knowing that I had contacts that while we had a lot of crossover, there were some that perhaps you hadn't. So your philosophy was very similar to mine in that you wanted to expand your circle of influence. And I always enjoy a good challenge. And certainly you gave me a wonderful opportunity to do that. In terms of this happening, as you said, it happens for me, not to me. I refuse to be a victim. I will volunteer. I am not a victim. So I always look at what could my role be in any given situation to make it better. And clearly, this was a path that I didn't see. Uh, I was certainly kind of not knowing what the future would hold, but I wasn't going to let fear drive me. I was going to let faith drive me. And it has been a miraculous ride thus yeah. far. Yeah. And it's, it's a great approach. You know, you, um, you're able to have different products now for those customers that have loved and adored you for 20, 30 years. You have a different, yeah, a different uh, product basically to represent. So it's speakers. And we know that there's certainly a need for um, inspiration, outside inspiration with many organizations, new ideas, new beliefs, new ways of doing things, new stories that will influence and impact people moving forward. Um, two, two additional questions, David, I have for you. Um, imagine you had to send yourself a letter 
and it was self-addressed and uh, it, you wanted to arrive five years later. You would write the letter today, however, and it would arrive back to you in five years. What would you want to tell your future self? You know, I would want to tell my future self, have you really gone out and, and helped lots of different people with getting unstuck? Mm -hmm. Like, I really feel that while I don't have all the answers, I have the faith to get people through whatever difficult times they're having. And I would want that in the letter. I'd also want to ask myself, have I been curious enough? Did I ask people the right questions to make them feel like they were contributing to this great world? And lots of silver linings have come out of this pandemic, some of them obvious and some of them not so obvious. I think that we're entering a, a, a post-traumatic COVID world. We're leaving the world a better place. We're leaving it a cleaner place. Um, we're healthier as a result of all of this. And uh, there are going to be lots of new opportunities that have yet to reveal themselves uh, in this post-COVID world. Uh, that's that's a great attitude, a great approach. And David, I continue to learn from you. I admire your positivity. As we talked a little bit about your parents and about your mother's influence and your father's influence, if our listeners would like to reach out to you, I love the name of your new company. Would you mind sharing with us uh, the name of your new boutique speakers bureau? Thank you, Bart. I'm really excited that on Friday of this past week, I formally opened a, an LLC and I entitled my company Beyond the Norm. And the reason I entitled it Beyond the Norm, my father who passed away in 2017, his name was Norman. And uh, I wanted to honor him in some fashion. And I just didn't know how I would do it. And this just seemed like a natural extension of me honoring him while keeping true to the philosophy of what I would like my business to be. And that would be a collection of people who go above and beyond the norm. Yeah, no, I, I love the name. First of all, when you told me about it, love the name, love that it has meaning. And also I'm proud to be included into that realm of, uh, of great speakers within your organization. Um, and then David, uh, if individuals would like to connect with you uh, or contact you, what is the best way? Sure, so I just established a new domain and it's my last name at beyondthenormllc.com. My cell number 917-836-5400. For all of you boomers and Gen Xers out there that don't like to use email. Yeah, love it, love it. And that just reminded me, David, as you shared that number with you, um, Gary Vaynerchuk, right? Gary V, uh, a, a huge social media influencer, runs his own you know, marketing company. Um, he will speak on stage and printed on his t-shirt is his mobile number. And he is asking people, text me, call me, contact me. And sure enough, that's what people do. So I love the boldness, David, so people can reach out to you. Um, you have been a terrific friend, a great business partner, and I know you're going to continue to do what most people don't because you are certainly exceptional. Keep on making differences in people's lives uh, and keep on doing, again, what most people don't do. 
I appreciate the time, David. Thanks for having me, Bart.